Welcome to Jeff Pasito Reads. I'm Jeff Pasito, and this is today's story. Living in the Shadow, Chapter 4, Heaven The noonday sun stood high in the sky, blazing bright and hot, almost straight above Angelo and his cadre of friends. The shadows were cast short and sharp, so the boy sat on a slight incline of short grass that ran away down a slight slope from a squat stone wall on the edge of an abandoned field, the deeded ownership lost to time and to war. Angelo sat, his knees pulled up tight to his chest, keeping even the edge of his feet out of the crackling rays of light that tormented from above. On his left, Egidio was a mirror, reflecting Angelo's pose like a twinned statue at the entrance to a cathedral. On his right, Vincenzo laid on one arm, sprawled out on the grass, his leg toying with the sun's beams as he slid his foot through the grass back and forth. Three other boys, friends of Vincenzo's, acquaintances of Angelo's, sat on their haunches beyond Vincenzo, tucking their slightly burlier frames into the scarce shade as well. They all wore their deep grey woolen school shorts and white button-down shirts, untucked and half unbuttoned, trying to radiate as much of their own heat into the humid, saturated air as they could. Egidio rolled up the cuff of his shorts and shifted to kneeling on one knee. The oldest of the group, he was just large enough to not benefit from the sliver of shade the other boys were attempting to revel in. Zio Joe used to live down the way from us, Angelo cut the thick silence with his muted voice. He was always told that he should be respectful of his elders, but to make them feel special and important in his life, and not too distant, he should always refer to them as aunt or uncle instead of Mrs. or Mr., or, may St. Francis Xavier forgive him, their first names. He was sick. Last winter, Angelo wasn't very good at telling stories, or anecdotes, or even parables. His voice carried no enthusiasm, his body no emotion, his words no rhythm. Very sick. Vincenzo blew out a deep sigh, curling his lower lip out to channel the air towards his forehead, causing the tuft of dirty blonde hair to puff up and out before settling back in more or less the exact same position as it started. Angelo's gaze remained lost in the field before him, as if accessing his memory of Joe took all his concentration, no mental process left for physical functions. He continued, ignoring Vincenzo's interruption. The doctor said he didn't know what to do to help him, and Father de Blasi said all we could do was pray for him to get better. Angelo paused, probably longer than he should have, relating such a simple narrative. Zio Joe told us he'd be better when the weather got better, since it was still very cold and dark out. Again he paused, and when he began to open his mouth to speak again, Vincenzo cut him off. Angelo, Vincenzo drawled, holding the open palm of his right hand towards Angelo, whose head spanned to look at Vincenzo. You have to tell your stories faster. How are we ever going to get to do anything today if you keep talking and talking and talking? When he had awoken this morning, Vincenzo had hoped he'd have the chance to go to the market with his friends and scam the old man that sold walnuts out of a couple handfuls of them. They were pretty abundant on the trees that bordered most of the farms around town, but there was a thrill and excitement from taking them from the market that got his blood pumping just a little bit faster. Almost as fast as it did when they had seen a soldier. The first time Vincenzo had convinced Angelo to cut class, they had made their way to the market, hoping to get their hands on a few of those walnuts or, Vincenzo thought if they were lucky, maybe find an anonna he could share with Angelo. Neither of them was prepared for what they did see. A soldier, dressed to the teeth in his full military regalia. 
The man wore knee-high patent leather boots, dark as the pit of an olive, with belts that ran across his belly and over his shoulder. The rest of his suit was all gray, crisp and sharp where the corners of the shirt tucked into his pants and the seams of his pants gave way to his boots. A short cape that fell no further than his hip draped over his shoulder, obscuring his right arm in mystery. He had a finely trimmed beard that ended in a gentle point, and a mustache that had actual waxed tips that twisted an inch away from his cheeks on either side. His piercing serious gaze was on one of the ladies that sold leather goods, and whatever the soldier had said to her before the boys noticed him must have been hilarious, because she was giggling and blushing, her head turned slightly away, her eyes cutting a glance at him coyly. From that moment on, they both knew they wanted to be soldiers, and it became easier and easier to convince Angelo to cut class. With the prospect of encountering another carabinieri, how could he say no? Okay, well, he was supposed to come over for Easter lunch, Angelo continued, a little quicker this time, careful not to stumble over his words. Like he did every year, the words snapped out of him in quick bursts now, with a longer pause between thoughts. Angelo closed his eyes and leaned his head back, the expression on his face taking him back to that day. It was the most beautiful spring day you've ever seen, sunny and warm and everything. His head turned slowly side to side, ever so slightly, almost feeling the spring sun glisten off his face. But that year he never came over. The silence hung in the humid air like a wet blanket on hot patio stones. Not even the shrill bird songs that often echoed around the valley split the void the open ending of Angelo's story had left. He opened his eyes and turned his head towards the other boys, his eyes darting between their blank, hollow expressions. Their bewilderment was palpable as they waited for the punchline, for the denouement of his story. Angelo's lips screwed up into a perturbed frown. They hadn't understood him, and he couldn't figure out why. There was such an obvious meaning to his story, so clear to anyone, he thought. He waited another moment, his head poking forward slightly, his eyes trying to pull a response from his peers. Letting out a faint sigh, he filled in the blank all his compatriots were drawing. He was better, he got better, when the sun came out. Vincenzo's squinting eyes let Angelo know his words had made no progress on leading them down the path of enlightenment. God took him to heaven, Angelo said finally. He made all his sickness go away and took him to heaven. Satisfied with himself, but still unclear as to why he had to explain such an obvious reason, Angelo's lips drew into a thin line. The boys remained frozen momentarily, the full depth of Angelo's story taking time to sink in, and while the other boys' faces softened in contemplative understanding, Vincenzo's eyes narrowed. His nostrils flared slightly as a scowl bloomed on his face. That's bullshit, Angelo. Vincenzo slapped out a small mound of dirt, cascading tiny bits of earth and pebbles across the ground before them. God didn't do anything. He was old and sick and he died. Crossing his body with both arms, Vincenzo swung them out to either side, slicing through the air with an invisible lid to end the conversation. That's all. Angelo looked aghast. His small chin doubled as his head reeled backwards. His entire body bent into a concave spring. But, but Father de Blasi said that on Easter, the gates of heaven are open, open for everyone. So he was able to get in very easy, without having to wait, or anything. Vincenzo's head pecked to either side as he began berating Angelo, his voice condescending and patronizing. Father de Blasi doesn't know what he's talking about. The fingers on Vincenzo's right hand met in a purse shape and shook at Angelo, mocking him. When was the last time he said something, or prayed for something, and it came true, huh? 
Vincenzo's eyes drilled into Angelo, whose mouth had fallen agape, his mind racing to keep up with Vincenzo and prepare a defense he didn't know was necessary just moments ago. Angelo's eyes began to shift back and forth as he thought, as he racked his brain to produce an instance, just one, or even a half-truth that could be misconstrued as Father de Blasi's request for divine intervention materializing on this mortal plane. Without a thought of what to say, a creak of air began vibrating along Angelo's vocal cords before Vincenzo continued, his question merely part of his enraged diatribe. I prayed every day that my father would be okay. He began to shake, ever so slightly, his outstretched hand that previously pleaded with Angelo's innocence now pointed an accusatory finger at him. Every day! He jammed his finger towards Angelo, punctuating each syllable as he spat it from his mouth. His probing finger dropped slowly, pointing more weakly now, more reservedly, innocuously, at the ground. Me and my mother both. Vincenzo's palm fell open, his hand now limp by his side, and the rage pent up in his shoulders and neck surrendered to a greater sense of abject failure. And then he died. Not even the wind dared to make a sound, with the tall grass as its instrument in the dead silence. All the boys were statues, frozen by Vincenzo's words. If God was listening, Vincenzo's voice cracked ever so slightly as his eyes blinked feverishly. Why would he let my father die? The other boys all remained frozen, but Angelo's mind had finally clicked in and he rose to the occasion, snapping out an answer that not only was unwarranted, but unwanted. Father de Blasi says sometimes God does stuff we don't ask him to do because he knows what's best. Nearly cutting himself off, Angelo realized too late how cold and uncaring his answer sounded. An open palm stung the left side of Angelo's face and he winced as the shock from it spread across his cheek. The struck side of his face began to warm and swell slightly. You have a brain in there, Angelo, or what? Vincenzo pulled his hand back, cocking his arm for another swing, should it be necessary to silence Angelo again. Or do they teach you to be dumb like that in school now? Hey, lay off the guy, would you? Egidio didn't speak much, his voice was deep and would sometimes crack, and everyone would laugh at him, so he kept quiet most of the time. He didn't keep quiet now, and his voice didn't crack now. Vincenzo turned his bubbling volcano of rage on Egidio. Why? you never gone to school. What makes you think it's so great? Vincenzo's hands unconsciously balled into fists, his tiny fingers arching into his palms, his unkempt nails digging into the soft flesh, his knuckles whitening. Egidio's thick brows knit above his small, almost beady eyes. No, I ain't been to school. His mouth worked over the words like speaking was foreign to him. Like he had to taste each syllable before he could spit it out. But my little brother, he goes, so lay off school, okay? His back arched slightly, his chest rising and falling with deeper breaths as fixed determination found its way to his face. I'll lay on whatever I want to lay on, Egidio. Vincenzo rose ever so slightly, his smaller body preening to dominate Egidio's larger but seemingly docile frame. I'll lay on your sister if I want to. In an instant, they both scrambled to their feet, eyes brazen, flames licking at the edges of their flaring nostrils. Both boys' fists were held white-knuckled tight, their arms akimbo, legs tense and coiled like mountain lions poised to strike. From their crouched position, the other three boys began pumping their fists, cat-calling for a fight, intrigued by the prospect of breaking the monotonous dog days with some excitement. Angelo sat in contemplative silence, processing all that had transpired in such a short time. Egidio's chest heaved a last large sigh as his hands loosened and his shoulders went slack. 
You know, Vincenzo, you're not worth it. He waved two open palms at him, disregarding the young boy. You'll never learn. Never grow up. Never understand. Vincenzo's eyes followed Egidio's hands as they pushed at the air between them, and his hands loosened their grip as well. His fighter's hunch went slack. All the tension, all the energy wound up in his tiny frame, uncoiled like the spring of a broken pocket watch. His expression dropped, eyebrows softening, his eyes almost sinking backwards. He was at a loss. Egidio turned to leave and began lumbering away in the general direction of the creek. Barely two paces into his departure, a pair of arms came flailing about his neck from behind, the right hand gripping the left wrist in a chokehold. The other three boys leapt from their haunches and cheered, the humid heat that kept them motionless before a faint memory. Egidio span around, his upper body bobbing as his legs stumbled in a jagged circle. The mild centrifugal force lifted Vincenzo's legs into the air and his grip began to slip against the gritty sweat of his forearm. Flung like a sack of flour from a cart to a doorstep, he tumbled into the dirt and rolled over twice before quickly scampering to his feet. In the smoke cloud of dust he had kicked up, he appeared taller, stronger, more of an imposing threat, like Fosco Giacchetti, ready for war. Egidio pointed a threatening finger at Vincenzo. His gaze fixedly stared at the young boy. You don't want to do this, Vincenzo, he began. But before he could finish, Vincenzo was running towards him in an unbridled rage. Letting out an animalistic groan, he threw his right arm in a swinging punch but missed as Egidio parried to his left. Tumbling off to Egidio's right, Vincenzo's body span off balance with the force of his entire swing, his flailing left arm coming around and accidentally elbowing Egidio in the ribs before striking the ground again. Vincenzo again scampered to his feet in a swirl of dry dust in a heartbeat. Egidio stood, hunched at the waist, coughing and holding his chest. Each wheeze between coughs seemed barely deep enough to supply the fuel needed for the coughing fit that followed. Vincenzo leapt with a short bark and was upon Egidio in no time flat. His hands were a blur as he landed blow after blow on the defenseless boy's hacking face. Angelo's eyes grew wide with each strike of Vincenzo's fists on Egidio's head. Sharp red welts began to form across Egidio's brow as his swollen forehead began to squint his eyes shut. Blood began to dribble and sputter from behind his swelling, cracking lips. Vincenzo was unrelenting, striking Egidio with wallop after wallop across his quickly disfiguring face. The enthusiastic cheers from the other boys began to slow and quiet until they were no more than a sparse, inaudible whisper. And eventually, nothing at all. Angelo continued to stare at the horror that was unfolding before him and did not realize as he was doing so, with each strike, his own fists were tightening, twisting into rage-filled hammers. With each fresh, swollen bruise cascading across Egidio's face, Angelo's body was flexing, muscles tensioning, poising to strike. A gurgle of blood spat from between Egidio's parched lips as his chest convulsed, pulling Angelo's trigger. His body sprang towards the two combatants in a movement he'd never been aware he could do. He flailed his arms in a blind rage at Vincenzo and struck a contacting blow into the swollen, deep bruise above Vincenzo's left eye. Vincenzo stumbled backwards, clutching at the re-inflamed wound on his head with a blood-soaked right hand. He spoke no words. Only a deep, guttural, otherworldly growl escaped the clenched jaws of the beast he had become. Then the pain began. And the crying. And the screaming. And as Vincenzo asked, with each swing of his fists into the thin flesh of Angelo's cheek, each strike of his feet into the soft skin of his belly, where he thought God was now, Angelo began to wonder the same thing. 
Thank you for listening. Please join us next week for Living in the Shadow, Chapter 5, Hell. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can reach me by email at jeff at pasito.com. That's J-E-F-F at P-A-C-I-T-T-O dot com. On Twitter at jpasitoreads or visit our website at pasito.com. See you soon.